Praise the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The saints will hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Anybody know God is worthy to be praised? Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. And keep those hands going for one of God's finest preachers, finest pastors, my friend, my brother, Pastor Darren Shesky. What a man of God. I certainly want to uh, thank Heartland for your invitation for Eastern Star to come and to share. Uh, We are brothers and sisters in the faith, and I want to say thank you to uh, Eastern Star Church. This has been one of the busiest times in the history of our church, Uh, but we're excited to be able to come by and to share as you celebrate 10 years in ministry. And uh, we're not jealous. We're not envious. We're on the same team. When you hit a home run, that's a home run for us, too. So this is a celebration for us, and we're excited to be here. I met Pastor Darren more than 11 years ago, and uh, my wife, who is here tonight, uh, Lady Sharon, knows I don't don't make friends quick. I don't make friends easy. Uh, I don't connect very well initially. But I can say after 11 years that Pastor Darren is not just my friend, he's my brother. And uh, just to have that kind of fellowship with him means so much to me. And I know that God has put us together to do the things we've done and even to do some greater works than these. So I look forward to our church continuing to partner up as we go from faith to faith and glory to glory and uh, level to level. I know that God is not through with this ministry, Heartland Church. Man, the things that have happened in this church are are nothing except a miracle of God. It is proof that the hand of God is on you, but eyes haven't seen and ears haven't heard what God has in store for you. But I believe his Holy Spirit is revealing it. All I'm trying to say is God is not through with you yet. So stay open to the Spirit of God as he continues to move you higher and higher. Let us pray. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, let them be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you're our strength and you're our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. There's a word from the Lord in the gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, and uh, I'm just going to read verse 9 to get us started. But in your own private time with God, read all of Luke chapter 5. That make up the context of what I know the Lord would have for me to share with you on tonight. Luke chapter 5, verse 9 says, For he, speaking of Peter, for Peter and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. For Peter and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish. They had taken another translation says that Peter and his partners were amazed at all the fish they had taken. Another says that Peter and his friends were all struck at all at the catch of fish they had taken. And then, of course, my favorite is a translation that says that Peter and his friends their mind was blown at all the fish that they had taken. 
and that's what I want to preach tonight. I want to preach when God blows your mind, and that's the kind of God we serve, too. We serve a mind-blowing God. We serve a God that will bless you. Matter of fact, everybody has been blessed because the Bible says that the sun shines on the just as well as the unjust. It speaks of the mercy of God, the favor of God, the grace of God, that everybody in here has been blessed, that everybody in here has been touched by God. It is not an accident that you are here. It is the providence of God moving in your life and blessing you. But there are some of us that have even gone beyond that level, that we just haven't been blessed by God, but we've been amazed by God. There's some of us, when we look back over our lives and see where God has brought us from, what God has taken us through, the, how God has moved in our lives, we have to admit that we've been amazed. And even tonight, I'm preaching to some astonished people. You never thought you'd get to where you've gotten. You never thought you'd live where you're living. You never thought you'd drive what you're driving. You never thought you would hold the position that you're holding. You are sitting in here tonight astonished by how God has moved in your life. And then, of course, some of y'all are like me, not just amazed and astonished, but God has literally blown our minds. Man, when I see how God has raised me up and touched me and blessed me, not because I did everything right, not because I kept all the commandments, not because I went everywhere I was supposed to go and said everything I was supposed to say, but even beyond that, it's like God opened the windows of heaven and began to pour out blessings that I did not have room enough to receive it. And when I look back over my life out of all that God has done for me, I just, I just know that God, it's God that has moved in my life. It's almost like God is leaning over the banister of heaven saying, didn't I blow your mind this time? Didn't I? In the words of the Delphonics, because that's the kind of God we serve. But even as I say this, there are some who are saying, you know what, preacher, God has blessed me, and I'm not saying that he hasn't, but to say he's blown my mind, I can't say that. Preacher, I already know I wouldn't be who I am if it were not for God, but I can't say that I've had a mind-blowing experience. I can't say that, that I'm so amazed and astonished and intrigued and awestruck by what God has done. It just hasn't happened for me. And... And I want you to understand if that's where you are, it's because you've been missing something. Because the passage of scripture I read to you tonight, I started in verse 9 with the mind-blowing experience. But you can't skip eight verses and have your mind blown. So evidently, there was something that transpired, some experience that took place. There was something that Peter and his partners did that brought them to the level of having their minds blown. And so I want to investigate that because I want to make sure that before we leave here tonight, that every single person knows what I need to do to make sure that I have that mind-blowing experience that I know that God is able to do. This is Peter and his friends they, and, and his partners there at the Lake of Gennesaret, and they have been fishing all night long, verse 1. And as they had fished all night long, they hadn't caught a thing. And even as they had not caught a thing, that's when Jesus showed up in that situation and everything changed. Peter was washing. He and his friends were washing their nets. They were through. They were finished. They had fished all night. They had 
toiled all night. They had labored all night. But even though they put forth the energy and the effort, the work and the toil, they had nothing to show for it. And I know that some of us are like that right now, that we are living at a time because of this economic downturn that some of us really don't have a lot to show for the hard work we've done. It's not that we haven't worked. We're like Peter. We've been working hard. We've been toiling hard. But even after that hard work, don't have anything to show for it. I mean, and Peter, this is not him fishing for fun. Y'all, this, he's fishing for finance. He's, this is his livelihood. This is his business, that he owns a boat. He owns nets. He has networked with the right Peter. He's got people. He's got James and John. They've been, they, they're in the right place. They know the best time to fish. They know the best waters to fish in. And all that is done. As a matter of fact, when you read this, it appears as though they pushed all the right buttons and still had nothing to show. And that's a frustrating thing when you do everything right. And, and have nothing to show for it. I mean, because most of us grew up in families where our parents told us that if you make the right choices and make the right decisions, then everything is going to work out. And that's what Peter did. He did everything right, and it still went bad. Early to bed, early to rise, makes one healthy, wealthy, and wise. Some of us have gone to bed early every night, gotten up early every morning, and still broke sick and ignorant. All I'm trying to say is we made all the right choices, toiled all night, and nothing to show. That's where Peter was. That's what he was up against. And this is his area of expertise. This is, this is the area he trained for, he studied in, he mentored in, did an internship. He learned this. He bought the boats. He bought the nets. He made a major investment. He networked with the right people. He did all of that in the area of expertise and still have nothing to show for. I mean, it's one thing when I'm just out here messing around in different areas, but it's another thing when it's my area of expertise. There's somebody you went to the right school and you studied in the area of your passion and you finished high school and you finished college and came out and still can't get a job in your area, in the area of your expertise and fail. See, that's a difficult piece there because if you fail in the area of your expertise, what's left? My sons, three of them in college now, and KJ's in, in high school. My youngest one's a freshman at Hamilton Southeastern. When they were younger, they used to ask me, Daddy, if you were not preaching and pastoring, what would you be doing? I mean, this is my area of expertise. I don't know how to do anything else. I started preaching when I was 17. I went studied my undergrad work for this, graduate school for this. Everything I studied, all, the, all my mentors are preached. Everything I've done is to bring me to this area. And if I fail in this, they asked me, what else would I be doing? I'd probably be at the car wash saying, come on, come on, come on, come on. Stop right there. Put it in neutral. I don't know how to do anything else. And that's where Peter was. And that's where some of us are tonight. We have failed in the area of our expertise. We have failed in the area of our passion. We failed in the area that we studied and trained for. So you know exactly how Peter feels, even to the point that he was finished and done, because the text says he's washing his nets. 
At least he's through for right now because he's washing his nets. And what intrigued me about washing the nets was that his nets got dirty at work. He's at work. He ain't out doing something crazy and nasty and dirty. He's out trying to make a living for his family. He's out trying to pay his mortgage and pay his bills and take care of his children and, and do something for his synagogue, his worship center. And in the midst of all of that, he, he still ended up getting dirty at work. And let me just pause in the midst of this sermon and say, be very careful trying to make a living. Because if you're not careful, you can get dirty at work. I mean, you're trying to do what's holy and wholesome. You, you got to pay your bills. You got to take care of your family and your children. But it's some nasty stuff that go on in the workplace. It's some dirty stuff that goes on in the workplace, and you got to be careful. And I know it is because Peter is washing his nets, and they got dirty at work. And we as Christians got to be careful as we commit our life to Christ by faith and God becomes our father and Jesus, our big brother and the Holy Spirit, our keeper, that we got to make sure that even while we're trying to get ends to meet, even while we're trying to overcome this jacked up economy, that we got to make sure that we're not getting dirty at work. There is this um, lizard type creature called a gecko, a gecko, not to be confused with Geico. Uh, and this gecko is very interesting in that it, a gecko can stick to almost any surface. You ever see a gecko, no matter what type of surface it is, it can stick to almost any surface. But what is interesting about it is even if the surface is dirty and the gecko is on the surface, if you pull the gecko off and look at his feet, he doesn't pick up dirt from the environment. He's able to hold on in a dirty environment without getting dirty. And, and the thing about it, scientists have been tripping off this a long time because uh, they can tape all, take all kinds of tape and they can tape it to, to dirty surfaces. But when they pull the tape off the surface, the dirt from the surface is on the tape. But with a Geico, it can be on a dirty environment, take it off, and it not be dirty. And they're trying to figure out how can this be. That's because tape is man-made. A gecko is God-made. See, when you allow God to make you through his Holy Spirit, you can go in a dirty environment and handle your business and make your money and pay your bills and walk out without being dirty. Do I have a witness in this place? And that's where Peter was. With nothing to show for it. Empty boats, empty nets, partnerships, no fish, all of that. And here comes Jesus. And Jesus, the text says, he's crowded people all around him. And Jesus is getting ready to preach and teach. He sees empty boats. And it's not by accident he got in Peter's boat. That ain't no accident. Out of all the boats that were out there, he climbs into Peter's boat and tells Peter to push me off a little bit from the shore. And Jesus now puts himself in a position to be able to preach and to teach to more people because of what Peter did. Here's what I love about Peter that even though his boat was empty, his heart was still open. Because if you're not careful, you'll close your heart to the things of God because your boat is empty. But here is Peter with an empty boat but an open heart. Jesus gets it. And I love Jesus because Jesus is teaching us your boat doesn't have to be full for him to get in it. Some people won't unite with the church and give their life to Christ and get in ministry and all of that. Why? Because my boat is empty. 
I don't have anything to bring. I don't make a lot of money. I've been fishing all night. I hadn't caught anything. I'm failing in the area of my expertise. And then they'll say something like this, Pastor. Soon as I get myself together, I'm coming. Because we don't understand. You don't have to have yourself together to come to Jesus because Jesus will get in an empty boat. You come as you are, but you don't leave as you are. He is able to make a difference in your life. And the reason why Peter goes on to having a mind-blowing experience is because he allows Jesus to use his moneymaker. When Jesus got in that boat, that's his moneymaker. I mean, that's, that's how Peter paid his bills. That's how, that's how Peter made his money, and he allowed Jesus in his moneymaker. You want to know why some of us will never have a mind-blowing experience? Because that's the one area we won't let Jesus in. 32 people got baptized tonight, and at least one got baptized with his billfold sticking out of the water. Because we'll let Jesus in every area of our lives except our moneymaker. Peter is at work and he allows Jesus to show up in the workplace because that's the area we don't want him in the workplace. See, if you're not careful, you'll think this is Peter's first encounter with Jesus and this ain't his first encounter with Jesus. If you're not careful, you'll think this is the first time he experienced Jesus. No, he's not because the first time he met Jesus was in the synagogue when Jesus went in there and cast a demon, an evil spirit out of a man. And then after being in the worship place with Peter, then he went to Peter's home and healed Peter's mother-in-law of that fever. Y'all remember that? That was his second encounter with Jesus. So when you get here, this is the third encounter he has with Jesus, which is in the workplace. Because here's the thing. Most of us don't get it right on the first try. So we, we had an opportunity to meet Jesus, but we didn't get it right. But I'm so glad that Jesus doesn't give up on us. And here's the thing for many of us, we don't, we don't mind him being in the worship center. We expect Jesus there. We want him there. We come to church looking for Jesus, and, and we want him there. And we don't mind him going home because we want him to do something with our mother-in-laws. We want him to do something with that situation. So we don't even mind him in the home. But we don't want him in the workplace. We don't want Jesus when it has something to do with our moneymaker. And that's why so many of us are missing out on mind-blowing experiences. Because here's the thing, y'all. We keep thinking that when God asks us to give in his service, we keep thinking God is trying to take something from us. God ain't trying to take nothing from you. God is trying to set you up to give something to you. Because if God wanted to take something, he could take you and leave everything you got. Or God could take everything you got and leave you. No, no, no. God could take you and everything you got and leave nothing. God is trying to set you up to be a blessing because to be a blessing. you. Because here's the thing. If you give, the Bible says God gives back to you good measures, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, that God will have people pouring into your life. But many of us miss out on it because unlike Peter, we don't want Jesus to use our moneymaker. Wait a minute, he didn't just let Jesus use his moneymaker. Jesus said to Peter, now push me a little out from the shore. Jesus gets in the empty boat, getting ready to preach to the people and says, Peter, I need you to, to get behind me and, and push me out a little bit, which means that Peter used his muscle. When, when is the last time you did something physical for the kingdom of God? 
I mean, I know we come to church and, and we sing and shout and we jump up and down and wave our hand. Oh, that's wonderful. That's good. But when is the last time you used your muscle in the kingdom where, where you gave the kingdom of God a push to advance God's kingdom so that the word of God can reach more people? When is the last time you did something physical in the movement of God? Because when you read the Bible, Jesus said, you got to love the Lord with all your heart, love him with all your mind, love him with all your soul, and love him with all your strength. And we got to take some physical strength and effort and energy and use it in the kingdom of God so that Jesus can be in a position to reach more people for that kingdom. All of this precedes a mind-blowing experience. Wait, Peter did, did something else too. And that is Peter opened his mind to Jesus. He didn't just give him his money maker and then, and then uh, push him out a little bit using his muscle. But Peter sat there and listened to what Jesus had to say. He opened his mind. An empty boat, but an open mind. And, and that's the area that some of us got to work on. And let's be honest. Some of us, we like the emotional aspect of church. We love the singing, we love the dancing, we love the clap. And all of that is good. We ought to do that. The Bible teaches us that that's how we ought to worship him. That's how we ought to praise him. But, y'all, every now and then you got to open your mind to the Lord and, and learn what, that's what a disciple is, a disciplined one is. A, a follower is a learner of the Lord. Because some of us come to church with our shouting shoes on, but our minds closed. As I don't know who it was. I forgot. I'm, I know I'm supposed to name the people I quote, but I don't remember who it is. And uh, he said that those that shout need to think, and those that think need to shout. It ain't one or the other. Well, you know, I'm intellectual and I'm academic, so I don't have to shout. No, if you're that smart, you ought to know what God has done in your life. And you can't say because I'm dancing and running and shouting that I don't need to think. No, you need to know what you're shouting about. Someone said that think and thank is in the same word family. Think and thank. And they only, they only different by one letter. That's either the I or the A. Because they suggest that when you think about the goodness of God, that you can't help but to thank him for what he's done in your life. And Peter opens his mind, and Peter uses his muscle, and Peter uses his moneymaker, and that's when Jesus tells him, take those nets and cast them out into the deep and catch a great drought. See, here's the mind-blowing experience getting ready to come. He tells, tells, tells him to go on out into the deep because, y'all, you can't have a mind-blowing experience in shallow water. If you want to have your mind amazed by God and astonished by God and awestruck by God, we got to get off the shore. We can't just stay in ankle-deep water somehow thinking we're going to have a deep experience with God. That, that we, we got to go out into the deep. That we're not talking about catching minnows. We, we, we want to catch some big stuff. We want to do big things for God. And if that's going to happen, it's when we go out into the deep. That's why Heartland Church has been able to do big things. That's why they've been able to have great miraculous work and souls coming to the kingdom. Yo, most churches, most church plants, 
don't make it. Only 30% of church plants even survive. 30%. And then, of course, it takes seven years for a church plant to become self-sufficient, to be able to take care of self, his pastor and his family, and be able to do something for the community. But Heartland just took all of that and blew it out of the water. I mean, the average church in America sees 125 people on Sunday. But look at what Heartland Church has been able to do. That's because Pastor Darren... And the leadership of this church and the believers in this ministry have gone out in the deep. Now, it's, it's more risk in the deep. It's hard to drown in ankle-deep water. But when you're in deep water, it's high risk. But that high risk brings high return. I mean, y'all been out in deep water knocking on doors and going into businesses and sharing your faith with, with, with no shame in your game. Y'all been out in deep water going over to Sierra Leone to make sure that they have some water to drink, that they're not being getting sick and contaminated, but they can have wells in their community that they can take care of their family. I mean, y'all going out into the deep water, leading over into Haiti where hundreds of thousands of millions of children are being fed and orphans are finding a place to stay and those outdoors are finding adequate house. I mean, y'all going out into deep water, one church in two locations and three services, y'all going out into deep water because it's in the deep water where God begins to blow your mind. We got to move away from the shore. And Jesus said, now you're in the deep water, cast your net on the other side. Watch what Peter said. Jesus, we've been out there all night, and we haven't caught a thing. Jesus said, we're going back out there again anyway. And watch what Peter says. We've already done this, and we didn't catch a thing. We've worked hard. This is my area of expertise. This ain't even the right time to go and fish. It's too hot in this desert to fish at this time in the morning. But at your word, we're going to do it. See, when they failed, they didn't do it at his word. When they, when they didn't have anything to show, his word didn't have anything to do with it. But this time, he said, we're going to go back out here and do what you said, but we're going to do it at your word. That's when they caught so many fish, it blew Peter's mind. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. They ended up in an overflowing situation, but the overflowing situation was preceded by obedience. Some of us have never made it to the overflow because we're not willing to obey. But when you obey God, God is going to do what God said he's going to do. And God will overflow your life. I told my church this morning that the God I serve, he's not a God of not enough. He's not the God of just enough. God I serve is the God of more than enough. Yeah, he, he said, Peter, who, who was it, David, that said, he anoints my head with oil. And my cup, yeah, it don't level off, it runs over. My God shall do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask, think, or imagine. He does more than enough. He operates in the overflow. If you bring the tithe and the offering into the, the temple, into the storehouse, there'll be meat and mild. See, won't I open the windows of heaven, and I ain't going to pour you just enough. I'm going to pour out a blessing that you won't have room enough to receive it all. If you sow a little, you reap a little. But if you sow generously, you reap generously. My God shall supply not some of your needs, not most of your needs, but my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. 
but the obedience must precede the overflow. Peter said, I'm going to do it because you said it. And watch this. Peter begins to catch so many fish. I love this. His boat begins to sink. His nets begin to break. And when that happened, he got out. Remember, he had fished all night, hadn't caught anything. Now he's going right back out. And this time, his boat begins to sink. His net begins to break because he's in the overflow. He's caught so many fish. And it's almost like Jesus is just standing back watching all this happen. Jesus ain't saying nothing. He ain't helping with the fish. I mean, he just kind of like sitting back watching Peter. And I believe that's exactly what he was doing. Because Jesus had more for Peter than catching fish. But he said, you know what? I'm going to have to just sit here and see how you handle fish at this level. Because I got another level for you. But if you can't handle fish at this level, you won't be able to handle the fish that I got for you at the next level. So he stood back to see what Peter was going to do with that fish. And you know what Peter did. He called for other little boats and his partners and all of that. And he began to share the fish with them because his boat was sinking, his nets were breaking. What's he going to do? He decided he would share fish with other people because when Jesus gives you more than enough, it's because he knows other folk ain't got enough. And he's trying to see if you're going to help people that don't have enough with the more than enough that you do have. And Peter was out there. And Peter had, because some of us, you know what? Some of us would have had our boats sink and our nets break before we give somebody a fish sandwich. Yeah, that's what Jesus said. I'm going to see what you're going to do with this. Because some of us keep trying to have a mind-blowing experience and going to the next level and getting all of this. And Jesus said, you're not even handling the area you're in properly. I'm going to see what you do with that. Uh, God told Abraham, uh, I, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Look up in the sky. See all those stars? You're going to have more descendants, more children, and children's children, and children's children, children than all of that. I'm going to do that in your life. And when he told him this, Abraham had zero children. And, and God said, I'm going to give you so many children, you're not even going to be able to count. He was 75 years old. He had zero children. 25 years later. God gave him one child in response to the promise that he was talking about with having more children that you can count. 25 years, gave him one child. Now, you would think, God, if you're going to give me all of this, you might want to get started. <laughs> gave him one. You know why? I want to see how you handle the one first. Why would I give you all of these children and you don't know how to take care of one child? So while we're sitting around here wondering, why won't God give me more experience? And why won't God give me more position? And why won't God give me more possessions? And why won't God give me more people? And why won't God give me more money? Because Jesus is saying, I'm just standing back to see what you can do with the little bit I've already given to you. When uh, my, my sons were much younger and um, KJ was in preschool and my other sons, they were uh, in our private Christian school at the time, and I would pick them up from school every day. And when I would go to pick them up, uh, I would always take them a snack so that they wouldn't harass me all the way home. So there's a little corner store, a little market, and I would go in there, and they sell these little bags of chips for 25 cents. So I go in, and I get them four bags, 25 cents, just little bitty bags of chips. And uh, I, I'll pick them up and give it to them so they won't harass me all the way home, tell them how hungry they are. 
And then sometime I would stop and get a big economy bag of chips, that big family bag. And I would bring back, I know y'all saying I'm cheap, but I, I, I knew they would one day go to college. So I didn't spend all my money on potato chips. Anyway, I, um, so I bought, <laughs> y'all catch that later. I bought a big family bag of chips and then I would bring baggies from the home. And then I would give my sons the big bag of chips and I would give it to, to Jay and say, take care of your brothers. So he divided into the baggies and give, give it to Jalen or, or Jordan. And they would take it and they divided it into bags and give it to their brothers. And then I, would, I took that. KJ was in preschool. I gave him a big bag of chips. He was just in preschool. And I said, son, take care of your brothers. He grabbed that big bag and said, mine. I said, no, son, I gave that to you so that you could share with your brothers. That bag is bigger than you. Mine. I said, no, you need to take it, put it. And he knew what to do. He had the intellect to do it. He had the mind to do it. He had uh, the coordination to do it. What he didn't have was the desire to do it. And so from that point on, I knew I couldn't trust him with a big bag of chips. So every time I would give chips to KJ directly, it would be a little bitty bag of chips. Because every time he got bags of chips, he thought they were always his. So if I was trying to bless all of them, I would give him one little bag in individually. But I could trust my other sons with big bags of chips because they knew how to share with other brothers who were hungry trying to get home. Have you ever wondered why God gives people like Pastor Darren big bags of blessings? And then he gives some of us little bags of blessings. It's because God knows he can't trust some of us. That every blessing we get, we think is for us. But every now and then, when God is giving big bags of blessings, it's because he knows that there's some other hungry people that need to eat as they're trying to get home. And uh, I, I really don't have time to deal with this like I want, but when Jesus told him to go back and cash it in on the other side, Peter said, we've already been there. And Jesus is telling him to go back to the same place you just experienced recent failure. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to. But there's somebody in here that, I mean, this ain't a year ago when Peter was out fishing. This is last night. This is recent failure. And Jesus is telling somebody, I know you just had recent failure in an area. I know it just happened. It, It didn't work for you. But Jesus is saying, I want you to go right back to the same place. But this time when you go, take my word with you and go. And I know you don't want to. I know you, I know you don't want to because here's the thing. You know, Jesus is saying, well, I need you to go back to church, but I want you to go back to the same church. But Jesus, that's the church I messed up in and everybody. He says, I know that, but I want you to go back to the same place you experienced recent failure. He said, I want you to go back to the same school. I know you went a year and a half and had to drop out because of issues and challenges, but I want you to go back to the same place. Jesus, I could understand if you want me to transfer. But you telling me to go back to the same place where they know I messed up? And Jesus is telling somebody that's just, just had a recent separation to go back to the same marriage. I mean, Jesus, I can understand you saying remarry, but the same person? Y'all ain't got to say amen. Just look at amen for me. 
but it's where the recent failure is that Peter sends Jesus back because this is the setup for the mind-blowing experience. My sons, when they were much younger, they used to play Xbox. Now, Xbox is different now. From when they first came out, they I know now they got a disc, and you take that disc, that CD, and you stick it in and play game. Back then, they had a cartridge, and you would take that cartridge, and you would stick it in the Xbox 360, and you play, and while you playing the game, sometimes the characters would freeze. So you're trying to play basketball, football, drive race car, and, the, and everything would freeze, and you pushing buttons and pushing buttons, and nothing is happening because everything is frozen. And what my sons used to do when that happened, they used to take their cartridge out and they would, y'all remember those days, don't you? You would blow on it and stick it back in. And then it would start working again because this time it had breath on it. See, somebody, you've been in an area and you've been working and work, and it froze on you. Your career froze. Your company froze. Your money froze. Your family froze. And you've been pushing all those buttons and nothing is happening. What you need to do is to let Jesus, God, pull you out and pull you close to him and breathe his Holy Spirit on you and allow him to put you back in. Because this time you're going in the powerful presence of God's Holy Spirit. And it's interesting when they pulled that cartridge out and they blew on it, they didn't put it in a Nintendo. And they didn't put it in a PlayStation. They put it right back in the Xbox 360 the same place they had just taken it out of. Now, I don't know who that's for, but God is saying, you need to get close to me and get filled with my Holy Spirit and go back into that situation and handle your business at a whole nother level, this time with the power of God in your life. And when that happened, Peter caught so much fish, and he was so amazed and astonished and awestruck that God blew his mind. And here as I close. Here's the last thing that, that really blew my mind in this mind-blowing experience. The text says that Peter and his partners left everything and followed Jesus. Wait, 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 wait. You fished all night long. You worked all night long. Didn't catch a thing. Right. Catch a net on the other side out in the deep at the word of Jesus. Yes. You caught all these fish so much so your boat was sinking. Nets a break you had to share. Yes. And now you're leaving the boat, the nets, the company, and the fish, and following Jesus. I thought you wanted fish. I thought that's what all the hard work was for. I thought that's what the tolling was for. I thought that's what all the planning and strategizing and the investment was for you to get fish. But now they're leaving all of that and following Jesus. Because, y'all, fish is not a problem when you follow in Jesus. See, most of us get caught up in the miracles, but when you with the miracle worker, the miracle is not the important thing because the miracle is really temporary to catch your attention, to get you focused on something at another level. Most of us get so caught up in the miracles that we miss out on the miracle worker. When God performs a miracle in your life, it's not for you to embrace, embrace the miracle and never let it go and miss out on what God has. It's to catch your attention so that you can focus on Jesus so that you can move to another level. For some of us, all we do is chase miracles. We are miracle stalkers. 
We go from Heartland Church to Eastern Star Church to New Horizons Church, and we go from church to church and pastor to pastor and bishop to bishop and television station to television station and prophet to prophet. Why? Because I'm looking for a miracle. Got to get another miracle. And my friend Bishop Derek Triplett said, the real miracle in life is living life without a miracle. Because, y'all, the miracle is to catch your attention so that you focus on Jesus and really get to where he wants you to be. When you read in the Bible, all miracles are temporary. All of them temporary because they're to catch your attention to get you to focus on Jesus and get to another level. Uh, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. What a miracle. He died again. Y'all ain't helping me with my message. That's temporary. It was to catch attention, to focus on Jesus. So Peter said, I know I got all of this fish. It blew my mind. What a miracle. But it caught my attention. Jesus, I'm not even worthy to follow you. And Jesus says, no, I want you to not be afraid and come after me. And he left everything to follow Jesus. Because while we spend all of our lives chasing fish, fish are not a problem when you got Jesus. Jesus told his disciples when they had to pay their taxes, go over there and pull that fish out of the water. Pull the fish out of the water, money in the fish's mouth, then go pay your taxes with it. 4,000 hungry people, Jesus took a few pieces of fish and some bread fed a multitude and took up leftovers. Fish ain't a problem when you're with Jesus. 5,000 people, that's just counting the men, plus the women and children, two fish, five cheap biscuits. Jesus blessed it and break it and fed a multitude, took up 12 baskets of leftovers because fish ain't a problem when you're following Jesus. He dies on the cross, got raised from the dead, and then Peter and the disciples are back out there fishing again and didn't catch anything. They come back in, and Jesus has filleted fish and got it frying at the shore. Fish are not a problem when you're following Jesus. What is it you've been fishing after? What you've been running down? When you have the miracle worker, miracles are not a problem. When you have the gift giver, Gifts are not a problem. It is the relationship with Jesus that is most important. I want to close like this. They left everything and followed Jesus because Jesus says, I didn't, I didn't come here to make you fishers of fish. I came here to make you fishers of people. That I want you to take the mind-blowing experiences that you've had with me, and I want you to use that and go and catch other people for the kingdom of God. Dr. Doolittle course, he can talk to the animals, played by Eddie Murphy in all of those Dr. Doolittle shows. And uh, the first one, when it came out and, and Eddie Murphy was playing Dr. Doolittle, and there was an a owl that came to Dr. Doolittle's house. And the owl began to talk to Dr. Doolittle. He's shocked and surprised he can talk to the animals. And the owl was in severe pain. And he asked the owl, is there something I can do for you? And she says, yes. I got something in my wing, and it's hurting me. And she had some kind of stick in her wing or something, and she couldn't get it out herself. And she asked Dr. Doolittle if he, if he would help her. So he took his time with her, and he gently took that stick out of her wing and gave her the healing that she needed. She says, thank you very much, Dr. Doolittle. And she flies off. And Dr. Doolittle thinks it's all over. He's finished. The next day he wakes up and he gets ready to walk outside. He opens his front door. All kind of animals out there. 
horses and lions and tigers and bears, oh my, and all kind of stuff, rats and owls and rodents, everything is out here. And, and he's trying to figure out where did all these animals come from? That's because when he took something out of the owl, she could not take out herself. She flew back to the forest and told all of her family and friends, I know somebody that if you got something in you and you can't get it out yourself, that he can take it out. And that's when everybody came to the doctor. And that's what Jesus expects from us, that when the Lord blows your mind, he wants us to go and tell our family and friends that if you got sin in your life and you can't get it out yourself, I know Dr. Jesus that's able to get it out. That if you, you're hungry and you need to eat, that if you're jobless and you need employment, that if your family is falling apart and you need it put back together, that whatever you're going through, I know somebody that's able to move in your life and make a difference. And when those of us who've had the, these experiences go and tell our family and friends, there will not be room enough in the church to receive all the folk who will come to witness God blowing your mind. God bless you.